Good morning and welcome to Recipe for Success. My name is Nancy Giacalone and my guest today is Jenny Shireman. Uh, for those of you that have joined me in the past, you know that Recipe for Success is combines two things that I love. My love of cooking and my love of people doing great things in their industry, whether it's in the benefits industry or any other industry. Because one of the things that I've learned over the years is that if you're cooking or whether it's in business or anything else, there's always one key ingredient or technique that's absolutely critical to the outcome um, and your success. So I am, again, so happy to welcome Jenny Shireman to the show today. Jenny, um, let's kick it off by uh, letting you introduce yourself to our audience and telling people a little bit about yourself. Yeah, um, so I appreciate you having me on today. And um, I I have to do something which I, I apologize, but it's Sherman. Um, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I just, I, you know, I almost always ask people beforehand okay. and I was like, oh, I know how to do that one. It's okay, it's okay. Um, part of the reason why I hesitated to name my business uh, Sherman Performance is because people struggle with my last name. It's German, so. Uh, well, let's take a look at my last name. I totally get it, so. So you can totally uh, I, empathize. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my grandfather would have said Sherman. So um, I will take either one of those. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, uh, a little bit about me. I, um, as we talked about uh, for a minute before, I actually had a, a past career in insurance and financial services. And somewhere along the way, I got Sucked into the motorsports industry, um, kicking and screaming, you know. No, I had been a, an enthusiast for a long time and just um, stopped trying to fight what was inevitable and, and what I loved. And so I've been in the motorsports industry for about 14 years now in one area or another and um, really found my calling a couple of years ago and had gone back and got uh, a master's degree and started my own business. And, and here we are. So I think it's funny because my story is almost opposite of yours. So <laughs> I um, I grew up with cars, motorcycles, et cetera. And my career prior to getting into insurance was I worked for Fram and Autolite. So I was directly in the automotive industry. And the way I met my husband was uh, racing Corvettes. So. <laughs> So, so I, like I say, when, um, when John Troutman, who is, in, who is the person that introduced the two of us, he's like, oh, I know who you have to talk to. So I'm yeah. so, I'm so happy to have you on. Um, so one of the things, again, that I really like to focus on, um, in the, on this show in particular and in life is I really love to support people that are doing something different and unique and really rising above in their industry. And one of the things that I learned about you is that you are a mental performance coach, but not just any mental performance coach. You focus on the motorsports industry and are currently working in the F1 um, arena. So tell us more about that. Yeah. So I got my start in um, the, or on the two wheel side of motorsport, actually. Um, so for anyone who's listening who, because um, I, I, I do 
mentor some some young girls who are like, I want to work in F1 and, and this is what I want to do. And they think that there's only, you know, a, a one way to do things. Um, I always like to say, hey, here's where I started. Out. Yes. <laughs> you don't you don't have to. There's not one path. There's not one way. Um, but yeah, I got my start um, in two wheel motorsports. Um, actually, if you can see the poster behind me, there's I there's can. Yeah, there's motorcycle stuff um, all over. Um, but um, I, I have a passion for really anything motorsport related. Um, I, I get teased quite a bit because if you follow me on um, Instagram, on my business page, you will see me up at an ungodly hour because I am based in the U.S. on the, on the East Coast. And I'm watching practice. I'm watching qualifying for many different, um, you know, motorcycle road racing is a lot of it. Um, but practice qualifying for MotoGP, Moto2, Moto3, um, World Superbike for obviously Formula One. But yeah, I, I've coached in a couple of different series. Yes, my focus right now is motorsport primarily in F1. Um, but yeah, there's a need for really um, for, for mental performance coaching in any facet of motorsport. I, I couldn't would agree with that. So what drew, so when you decided to make the leap from financial services and insurance <laughs> to coaching, how did you first get connected in the motorsports industry? What, how did, what did that look like for you? Yeah, it actually went from uh, financial services and insurance to me running a race performance shop. So I, I went and ran a business. Okay. Um, and from there, I actually moved out to California and worked in a dealership. So I've worked in lots of different areas of, of motorsport. And then I went to work for a couple of different OEMs. I worked for Kawasaki. I worked for Nissan North America. And I had moved into um, more of a training and development role in both of, of the um, OEMs that I worked for. And really was enjoying that kind of facilitation and training and kind of mentoring. And I had a conversation because I had returned back to finish my bachelor's um, as, as an adult. Once, sure. I once I figured out what I knew what I was doing. Um, and had a conversation with actually one of our um, uh, HR people at Kawasaki. And we were talking about different things that, that I could do once I finished my bachelor's was not even thinking about a master's at that point in time. I had, I think, maybe a mindset like a, a lot of people do who don't know what they, they want to do when they grow up. And I was just like, I just want to finish this bachelor's. I'm sick of this. I just want to finish it. I just want to be done with school. I was doing well. I was getting straight A's, but I was frustrated and I just wanted to be done. And that conversation led me to look at coaching, which I didn't even know that that was a thing. Um, my mom was a, was a teacher for 32 plus years. So I always kind of had that, like the, the facilitation and, and sure. the, the training, the things I was doing there made a lot of sense. Um, but I didn't know coaching was a profession. And I was uh, finishing my bachelor's at Concordia University, Irvine. They had recently um, started a Townsend uh, Institute, which there was a leadership program, but then there was also a coaching and consulting master's. And so I had started to poke around at different master's degrees, initially looking at uh, sports psychology, which made sense being that I was in the motorsports sure. industry. But I really wanted to learn how, how to coach. Um, I had a really big background already in 
psychology, sociology from my bachelor's, but I wanted to learn how to coach and do it properly and, and get the hands-on as well as the theory. And so that's how I ended up choosing the master's that I chose. And kind of along that path, I also decided my, my dad was self-employed my entire life. And I always knew that I was going to start my own business at some point. I just didn't know what. During that whole journey, start, let's start our own coaching business. Let's go ahead and do that. That's um, that's impressive. Um, I'm mean, sure you know, being on um, LinkedIn and other social media platforms, that coaches now are kind of like on every corner. Yeah. And however, the different the thing that sets you apart is that you have invested in your craft, yes. and uh, you really have a dedication to be bringing the best to your clients and um, to yourself. That and I think that completely sets you apart from so many people that call themselves coaches. I see it all the time, and I'm like, really, you're a coach? Okay. Um, so anyway, that I really do want to make that distinction for the audiences because. There are people that have trained to be coaches and really continually invest in themselves and their programs. And as a result, their clients get the value of a true coach. Um, other people are, I, I won't go into that, but anyway, um, that is, that's um, very impressive. Yeah. So one thing I'm really curious about, so you've said that your primary focus right now is you're coaching in the F1 arena. And for those that don't know what I'm referring to, that's Formula One, which is one of the highest levels of racing that there is. You don't coach directly with the drivers. Who do you who do you work with specifically? Yeah. So um, and to be clear, I work with a couple groups of people. Um, I work with corporate clients. Um, so you know, mostly at the executive level because my master's officially is in executive coaching and consulting. Okay. Um, and so there's that little bucket of people. So CEOs, uh, maybe directors, folks at, at that tier, if you will. Um, but then, yes, in, in motorsport, it is primarily in F1. And to answer your question, what does that other group look like? Um, if it's not athletes, it's everybody, it's everybody else that is potentially track side. So it could be, um, you know, a, a race engineer, performance engineer. It could be the technicians, depending on what their um, roles are, um, chief mechanics, those types of, of people, um, a strategist, maybe, um, you know, it, it just really depends on, um, I have also worked with people at the factory. So, um, if somebody's not necessarily familiar with, um, motorsport, there's, there's groups that travel along the circuit and are there, you know, during their race weekend. And then there's, a whole lot of people that are back at headquarters that are helping to make things happen um, and, and aren't traveling with the teams. And so I've also worked with some folks back at um, the factory. So um, one of the things that I think, again, if for anybody that is not familiar with motorsports should understand is that you see one person out there driving the car and you may see the people, you know, in the pits, et cetera, but it is a army that goes into the actual win of any one individual. And so, at least in my opinion, I would think that the performance of all of those people is critical. The spotlight might not be on them, but the pressure still is. Yes, um, and and I would I would say that there's still a spotlight on them because, you know, depending on 
uh, you know, what, what particular series you're watching, um, you know, and I've, I've worked in other series as well. Um, there's still a camera on those people yes. and, um, you know, and in F1, there's still a microphone on a lot of those folks. And so everything that they are, are doing, saying is being scrutinized um, now with the popularity of the Netflix series for a lot of folks um, who, again, are not necessarily for, um, Formula One fans, but maybe want to be Formula One fans. Um, you can go watch a Netflix series and get brushed up on that. And um, yeah, so the, all of that kind of adds an, an extra layer of um, visibility and pressure. And um, yeah, uh, I enjoy working with those folks because um, nothing against the drivers. I love you folks. <laughs> But um, uh, it, it's just, it's a different dynamic. I, I like working with a varied group of people and yeah. um, I like those conversations and I really enjoy deep conversations and helping people, you know, that want to improve. So whoever they happen to be, whether you're a trackside um, engineer or whether you're an athlete. So how do you help people that are under tremendous pressure? Now, that doesn't have to be on a race circuit. That could be an executive, a CEO, mm -hmm. as you mentioned. Yeah. Shut out the noise mm -hmm. and focus on what needs to be done because there's a lot of noise. There is a lot of noise. And it it honestly depends on the person. I know that that's a wishy-washy answer or it may be perceived to be a wishy-washy answer, but... Um, it, it really does. It depends on the person. Um, I don't believe, and I will tie this back to what you said earlier about having that extra bit of education. Um, I don't believe in prescribing um, to my clients. I believe in a partnership. I believe in um, working together to find a solution. I could very easily say, I have this three month program and you're gonna be amazing. And here's this video series and it's $179 and you're gonna be great. And here you go. Yeah. But same thing doesn't work for every single person. Um, we were not brought up the same way. We did not have the same life experiences. We do not have the same pressures every day. We don't eat the same things. We don't sleep the same. Um, so, uh, just don't believe that that works. So um, to, to answer your question in the best way possible, we work together to come up with what does work for that individual. Um, that makes perfect sense to me. And um, again, kudos to you for not having the canned uh, <laughs> online course that everybody's supposed to be the same because everybody is not the same and, no. and different circumstances, different ways of presenting, processing, et cetera. So um, that is, that is awesome. So you focus on mental performance. I do. Um, so tell, I, yeah. yeah. I didn't, <laughs> elaborate, elaborate on that a little bit. I didn't mean to go up at the end there. It wasn't a question. Uh, <laughs> I do. Okay. Uh, however, comma, um, I am technically qualified to cover all areas. Um, the, the method I am being trained in right now is, is a holistic approach. I believe in a holistic approach. Um, in addition to that, like I know we talked about earlier, 
I have a tendency to invest in myself slash push myself to, to learn additional things. And so, um, but yes, my, my preference and my specialty, how about we say that? I like my, it. My specialty is in, is in the, is, is on the mental performance side of things. Um, I've been blessed enough to, um, connect with a whole lot of other amazing coaches that have other specialties. And so if I need to, I can always tap into them for nutrition and biomechanics and, um, and, and other areas. Well, I think also um, one of the things that I think is a benefit of you continuing to invest in yourself is that life is not static. Just because you learn a certain skill set doesn't mean that it is going to be relevant five years from now or 10 years from now because things change. And so having that additional information helps both you and your clients continue to evolve and improve. So um, I can certainly appreciate that. Another question I have is, then this doesn't necessarily apply only to motorsports. It could apply to executives as well. Mm -hmm. How does being in the spotlight affect people? Mm. I think it, it, it affects different people in different ways. Um, but what I've seen and even what I've personally experienced is, um, you know, if we have existing maybe insecurities or um, little, little dents in our self-confidence, those things will show up. Um, I mentioned earlier how I like to watch practice and, and qualifying and all of those things. There's a reason I like to watch those yep. because I like to look for those things. Um, and they don't always necessarily show up on race day, right? Um, they don't always necessarily show up in qualifying. Sometimes they'll show up in practice. Sometimes um, people's body language will be different. Um, but I, I think that, the, the biggest thing with a spotlight is it, it, it shines a light on um, some of those, not, not necessarily um, our inadequacies, but sometimes even where we are overusing our strengths and where we could maybe take a step back and go, okay, I didn't like how I showed up in this moment. How can I learn some tools to manage that? And uh, yeah. I love that what you just said, overusing our strengths. I know that I am guilty of that sometimes. Mm. And I am gonna, I'm going to write that down and put it right on my, my computer monitor to remind myself I don't need to do it all. Um, that's that's, what we try. No, but sometimes it's hard not to. So what do you think that are some of the key qualities that high performers share, regardless of whether they're in motorsports or any industry? Hmm. Um. <laughs> I just thought of some not so positive ones. That's okay. Was, you can say those too, because it's true. I mean, was, it's, it's the good and the bad that makes a person. Just me self-editing that. That's what that was right that's there. That's okay. Um, I, I, if I'm thinking in terms of, of motorsport, um, you know, really a, a, a never ending push to constantly be going for, you know, that next level, that next level, that's next level. And I guess that's not just motorsport, that's everything. Um, sometimes it's a, an inability to see when you've pushed yourself too far um, and you need to take a break and you need to rest and you need to focus on, um, you know, not just, because people, 
people talk a lot about, you know, recovery, but it's not just recovery, it's rest and recovery and sleep. It's all of those things and they are separate things. Um, the negative thing sometimes Say is it. an inability to, to have balance. Um, and I definitely will not, not name names because I won't ever name names. But um, yeah, I, I've seen some people that are, you know, it, and again, in different series, I'm not, I don't want no, to I got it. Think I'm specifically talking about F1, but um, in, in different areas, I've seen people that you can tell that, that there isn't balance, that there isn't enough of a um, maybe social aspect. Um, maybe there isn't a, I don't want to say significant other because that's not always, you know, people can be happy when they're single, but there, there's just, there's not balance. Things seem out of balance when it's, when it's, and that could be corporate too, but when it's just all about the, the thing, right. you know, the, the job, the, the, um, you know, the, the end goal when it's very just focused on that and there's, there's nothing else. I worry about what happens when that thing, the career, the, um, it, when it's over. Well, you see that with professional athletes all the time um, in across all sports that their identity is so tied to the thing that they do. And not only athletes, but executives as well and business owners that the second that they retire, all of a sudden they really have an identity crisis because everything was tied to that vision or version of themselves. Yeah. Um, a lot of the type of coaching that I do is around purpose and values and um, who do you, who do you want to be? Are you showing up as that person? And are the, the actions that you are, are, you know, doing every day, those, those little action steps, those, those habits, is that a reflection of who you truly are or are you reflecting back what you think everybody else wants to see? Yeah. I see a comment here. It says, so right. We're so much more than the thing. And I mean, that that's just so incredibly true. I read one time that, um, that everybody has, and I am no psychologist. I do not have any training. So this is, could be hearsay and you're welcome to shoot me down. But I have read that we all have driving needs. There's things that we have that in our innately in our personalities, we need to satisfy mm. and we will go to any link to satisfy them. Sometimes we satisfy those in a positive way. And sometimes we satisfy them in a negative way if we can't find a positive way to do that. And um, I've seen that oftentimes with people that crave attention and the spotlight. And if they don't get it in a positive way that they will then act out. Um, and I think that sometimes that's true also with high performers is they, yeah. they crave that success, that, that um, accomplishment at the cost of other things because it's just such a driving need for them. Right. Well, I think it goes back to the, the unmet internal. If, if you're externally right. focused all the time, you haven't internally focused and actually asked yourself, you know, what is important to me? not what is important to my parents, my family, my spouse, my significant other, whatever it happens to be, my team, no offense to teams, but right. um, what is important to me? And yep. am I acting in accordance with that? And there's obviously a compromise with all of those things. Um, you don't just get to go out and be, you know, 100% 
you know, selfish all the time, especially if you're working for a team, there has to be some sort of a, a, a compromise. But um, when you are too far out of that balance within yourself and you're so, so, so externally focused all the time, you are not going to feel right. You won't feel imbalanced. You won't feel good. And you will try to cover it up with things like alcohol and substances and sleeping around, frankly, sure. um, and whatever, some, some gambling, just different addictions, different ways to right. numb that because you don't feel good at the core. And how can I possibly shove this down further? Yeah, that's so interesting. Okay. So since, so we've talked quite a bit about the um, motorsports industry. If you were to take, what would be one lesson that think that you could take from the racetrack <laughs> and apply to personal life that you could tell people, okay, here's one thing. It doesn't really matter. You learned it on the racetrack. I always use that example in cooking. I learned this about cooking and this is how it applies to my business life. So what would be a lesson you've learned from the racetrack? Yeah. Um, it has to deal with, with, um, with, with patience basically. So, um, I don't know if you've read the book or now seen the movie, um, the art of racing in the rain. Oh, of course. I read the book years ago. So, so did I, when I, like when the book yes. first came out. Yeah. And then, then it became popular like five years later. I'm like, wait, I read that book like five years ago. Right. Because then the movie was coming out. I know. So there's a quote in there that, um, I think sums it up very well. That says something to the effect of, um, no race has been won in the first corner, but many have been lost there. Yes. Yes. Patience. Um, it, 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 you know, whether it's in, in motorsport, in business, in personal life, um, you know, everybody wants that thing right now. I, instant gratification. You know, I want to be fit now. I, I want to, you know, me when I was finishing my master's, I want, I want to be finished now. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we just, we all want the thing now. And if you can just be just a little bit patient, um, you know, assuming you're, you're doing what again is, is true to you and true to your beliefs and your values, you're going to get there. Just, just patience, patience. Yeah. I like that. And that's coming um, from a very impatient person. So I mean, <laughs> take that with a grain of salt. I hear you. I hear you. Okay. So let's talk about Jenny's life outside of coaching. So <laughs> what do you like to do? <laughs> Bold of you to assume I have a life outside of coaching. I know. Um, well, I just moved uh, across the country during the pandemic. So um, it it's been a little strange. I'll be honest. I've been trying to, um, you know, acclimate to a completely new state. Um, I knew a little bit about the area before I moved here, but I had been living in, in Southern California for the last you know, six years and now I'm in South Florida. So a little bit of it is exploring here with uh, the handful of friends that I have in the area that I already had. Um, I read a ton, like, an insane amount. I read way too much. Um, I have the sweetest little rescue dog named Hess. Um, that's actually a, a, a photo right there of him as a, a, a race driver. Oh, sweet. Yeah, it's a pink painting. I love it. Um, so I spend a lot of time cuddling with him um, because he requires a, a good amount of attention or he lets me know how he feels about that. I'm sure. Um, but, 
yeah, it's, um, and the gym, the gym is like a, a second Therapy? hobby. Yeah. yeah. Also bad. Yeah. I like to lift heavy things and, and put them down. So, um, did you move to Florida to make it more accessible for you to get, um, across the ocean? Or was what what prompted your move? Just out of curiosity, I was going to move to Florida the, like ten years ago before I moved to California, um, but I'm a, I'm sometimes stubborn, and so I I wanted to go somewhere where I didn't know anyone. Really, I wanted like a totally fresh start, blank canvas, and so. Um, I ended up in California instead. Um, so it was almost one of those like full circle. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So last thing I'm going to ask you before we get on to the very end part, you've got motorcycle pictures on the, your wall, your dog's dressed up as a race car driver. I'm assuming that somewhere early in your life, you were introduced to motorsports personally. <laughs> I'm guessing. You would assume that, but. but it's um, not true. Not really. Um, the closest I came to being introduced. So I don't come from a motorsports background. Okay. My, my, my dad, my brother was all stick and ball. And that was all that was on nonstop. So I actually and I'm from Minnesota originally. So I grew up watching a lot of hockey, which I of also course. love. Yes, literally, you have to. Um, but and and because it was covered in snow where I lived in Minnesota, snowmobile snowmobiles yes. Um, so there was a bit of speed there. Sure. But but motorcycles not really until one of my next door neighbors um, bought a, a a ninja, and I I have a recollection of my mom saying, "Don't you dare." <laughs> But I was a teenager by that Which time. Which was like catnip for you. It, it, it was. And so I did dare. Um, but my mom never found out about that. But no, I was in my early 20s um, before I was really regularly around, um, had friends that were racing semi-professionally um, in a couple of different series here in the U.S. Um, and then I was at the track and then was accidentally dating people who raced motorcycles and then the rest as they say is is history i really like that accidentally dating line yeah (laughs) i try i try i tried not to i'm sure okay so every one of my podcasts ends with my five burning questions there there's a couple that are always the same and there's a couple that i change up based on my guest but the first question everybody has to answer and that is, what is your absolute favorite food in the world, and can you cook it? Ooh. Try not to choke on myself right now. <laughs> um, absolute favorite food in the world, I would say it's a huge toss-up between sushi and Thai food, which sometimes you can actually get at the same place, which is You great. sometimes can, yeah. Um, and I cannot cook either one of those, um, with the exception of I can maybe make a peanut sauce. That counts. That counts. I'll take it. Um, okay. This one, this question is probably going to be easier for you. Okay. Um, what is the one character trait you most admire in other people and why? Mm. Um, it's a tie for two. (laughs) Sorry. I'll stop having two of everything. Um, I, I tend to not play by the rules. I'm really, really sorry. Um, kindness and vulnerability. 
the reason why is because I find them to be unfortunately lacking a lot of times. And there are two things that I think are so, so, so valuable in, in everybody, but in leaders. And I think when they are modeled and when they are shown, especially um, at the right time, um, they're so, so, so incredibly powerful. Um, in personal relationships, they've been hugely impactful for me in the last couple of years because it has been a rough couple of years for all of us. Um, yeah, I would say those are, those are two. I like it. So if I were to flip the mirror on you and say, what's the characteristic, the quality in yourself that you are most proud of and why, what would it be? Um, and you can say more than one, just yeah, no rules. <laughs> I got one. Um, <clears throat> resilience. Um, it, it has been a really difficult couple of years. It has. Um, uh, I was, I was, uh, you know, thinking as, as we were getting ready for this, um, about, you know, all the different things that have happened to me personally over the last couple of years. And as I was going through the list, I'm like, I was in a very inappropriately laughing because that's unfortunately sometimes what happens humor as a defense. And like this, this is something that should be in a novel. This is not something that I should actually have experienced, but I'm still here and I am still very much alive and kicking. And so, yeah, resilience. I love it. Um, okay. So I have to just take a moment to pause on that one because that was very, actually, I, I can relate to that. Yeah. All right. So here's a neat, here's a, one might, might not be easy, but, um, a non-emotional question. Ooh. Who who is your favorite motorsport driver of all time, mm. dead or alive, and why? Yeah, that one's easy. Um, Ayrton Senna. Um, even though we did not have you know motorsport on in the the house growing up or anything, I very clearly remember um, seeing Senna racing and. I remember when he died. Um, I, I just I remember what a what a an amazingly talented driver he was. I remember what a character he was. Um, his personality just yeah, like he still all these years later, um, truly larger than life. Um, so yeah, any anytime anybody asks me that question, like that's not even a that's not even a pause. Good. Okay. All right. So here's one for you. What's your secret talent or something people would be surprised to learn about you? Um, something that people would be surprised to learn about me is that I am a very private person. I do not like talking about myself. Um, I probably hide it fairly well because I, you know, I, I am, I'm outgoing. Yes. Um, I'm bubbly. Uh, I'm, I'm comfortable talking to strangers, all of those things. Um, there was kind of a, an existing joke between my group of friends. We're at a track 
um, or, you know, after an event and, and I, you know, we're recapping, I'm like, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so, oh yeah, you know, so-and-so. And they're like, who? And, and these are people who have been in the industry longer yeah. than me. And I'm like, oh yeah, you, you know, that person, like they started joking around and calling me like the mayor because I, I'm, I have a natural, I guess, affinity for networking and I'm comfortable with all of that. But I am a very private person. Um, I just, uh, th there's a point where um, I'm like, okay, and I'm done. They're two very different things. So I understand what you're saying. So interesting. All right. Last question. And then I'll let you off the hook. Mm. Um, who is the one person that you've either connected with on social media or a podcast host that you would most like to sit down and have a conversation with? in real life. I'm really weird. Like I don't fangirl over anybody. I really don't. Um, and maybe it's because I, I want to like, or I, I easily go up and introduce myself sure. to whoever I just, I don't, I, I don't, um, I don't easily get intimidated by title or anything. I used to sit at the same table regularly with the president of, of Kawasaki. And I was like, yeah, whatever. Like we're getting yeah. our presentations. Uh -huh. um, the only person I can think of um, just because I have a great amount of respect for her. And I think it would be just a really amazing conversation is Brene Brown. Yeah. She's uh, she's been nominated plenty of times on on this podcast, particularly by women, and and I and I think um, it that's uh, that would be a fantastic conversation. Yes. Um, she's a very she's an amazing woman. So she's so 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 smart and just yeah. uh, like I I feel like I would just be sitting there going the whole time. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time, Jenny Sherman. Um, make sure I said that right out loud at least once on the podcast. Um, if people want to know more about um, possibly your executive coaching services or how you might um, uh, help their businesses, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you? Yeah, there's a couple of ways. Um, either connect on LinkedIn and it is just as simple as searching for me. Um, Jenny Sherman. Um, and I make it really easy, either that or Instagram. And it's the same thing. It's on uh, Instagram. Sorry, my my mouth is now stopping working. Um, it's Jenny that Sherman. Gotcha. So. Well, it's a timing is appropriate because we are now at the end and your mouth can take a break. So <laughs> anyway, I really thank you so much. This was just um, such a lovely conversation. And I, I learned a lot and I hope that everyone else did too. So Thank you again, Jenny. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. See you everyone next week.